The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 100. The Beer EDU 100th Episode Extravaganza. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey everybody, this is Kyle. If you're a longtime listener to the Beer EDU Podcast, thank you for being a supporter over our previous 99 episodes and welcome to episode 100. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast. I am Kyle, one of your hosts. This episode is a little bit different from ones that we've done in the past where we traditionally start out with Ben and I talking a little bit about what's been going on. We have a beer and then we introduce a guest of ours to have a great conversation about education and then close things out with a little bit about beer. This one's different because we were having so much fun in the lead up to hitting the record button that we decided just to hit record and we left it in because it was just a fun little conversation, most of which was not about education or beer. It was just friends having a great conversation while leading into an even better conversation about education. This episode is also a lot longer than we expect, so if it's going to take you a couple days to get through it, we totally understand. But Ben and I thank you so much for your support over these episodes, and we hope that you enjoy episode 100. Thanks again. Now we're live. We're, we're good now. Yeah, I really did email you this morning. You did. You emailed us at like, I was still walking and it was yep. like 710 or something like that. And the, what did the email say? It said, are we really doing this in 45 minutes? <laughs> and part of me is like, like, oh my God, is she going to back out last second? Or the other part of me is, do I go all snark and like not even email? I'm going to text her and be like, I've been up since 530. What's your deal? Or something like that. Well, no, and I've been up since one. So One? that since once so um yeah well i did take a nap so in all fairness i've taken a nap since 1 a.m but uh it was my kids spring break this past week and so we're up in our place in mount shasta and you know weather's been great it's been awesome and you know just side note like you know i'll rent it out to friends and family and whatever but we're here this week and there's one last little critter friend that I've been wanting to catch. And this critter friend of ours had knocked over a glass off the kitchen counter at 1 a.m. And here I am freaking out, thinking it's like one of the ghosts walking around. And, you know, cause that's how I freak myself out. And I knew logically it's like the little critter friend that, you know, whatever. And then of course, you know, I go to the bathroom and the toilet doesn't go down all the way. So I'm freaking out a little bit more of like what ghost is now clogging my toilet. So I go to sleep and all lights are on at this point. A few minutes later, the toilet actually does flush. So I'm like freaking out, having <laughs> thinking like, okay, I know it's the little critter friend really in, in actuality, but I'm thinking it's like the ghosts that are walking around this house, right? So I'm freaking out. I finally fall asleep at like, I don't know, 2.30, 3 a.m. I take my little nap. And then I wake up at like seven. And is my internet all crashing? No, I'm good. Okay, anyway. And so I take a nap, but I do need like more coffee and whatever. But that, I've been up since 1 a.m. freaking myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I did email you to really confirm that we really doing this at 8 a.m. Oh my God, that is amazing. <laughs> Just saying, because that's how I roll. 
Oh, I love I'm it. I'm glad you're laughing at me. <laughs> We're not that's laughing fun. at you. We're laughing no, with you. With you. That's the word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, I, like, I like how you immediately go to ghosts, right? Oh, there's, there's got to be I, ghosts that's what, in my house. Yeah, not raccoons. I'm ghosts. <laughs> I maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was ghost, ghost raccoon. raccoon. Ghost of a raccoon. There's no ghost raccoon. No, no, no. Uh, I, well, so here's the other thing. Like, I recently went to go see a medium um, because, you know, I want to know what's going on. In, in the world. And I had some really great relatives visit me through this medium. So maybe it's, this is just residual thinking that I have people walking around here. You know, my family went and saw a medium after my grandmother had passed away. And I was like, why are you wasting your money on this? Stuff? I'm not, I tell my mom and my sisters, why are you wasting your money on this stuff? And they were telling me like, they were telling my older sister, who's 40 years old, who's done having kids and you're going to have a son. And she, my sister was like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? She just recently during the pandemic had a son. And so, so at that point, I'm like, wait a minute, because my sister is <laughs> done. Um, and we don't have any boys in our family at all. Wow. Every single person that was born after me has been a girl. Right. And so for them to say that was just like, that's not going to happen. And it did. And so now I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> that's kind of strange. That I'm not is. convinced, but I think yeah. that's strange. Yeah, there was, um, I mean, I won't go into the whole, I mean, I spent like an hour with this person, right? And um, at one point she was like, oh, you're going to meet, a, there's a Michael. I'm sensing a Michael. I'm like, I don't know no stinking Michael. Like, uh, really, right? Like, oh my gosh, yesterday I got a phone call from a Michael like an electrician that I need like worked on, whatever. Anyway, and I'm like, hello. She like called out on Michael. And, and I, okay, Michael's like, you know, a very common name, but still like, anyway, there's something to be said for medium. I believe in ghosts, people. I believe, okay. I believe, um, I believe. I totally believe in ghosts too. My, the house where my parents lived, um, we always said it was my brother visiting that like you know like you'd see a shadow on the wall but nobody's there and then there yeah. was a time that the, the doorbell rang and there's nobody there and there's no sign right. that anybody had been there and whatnot and then one of my aunts was on a cruise shortly after my brother passed away and she said she woke up in the night and he was standing at the foot of her bed tell, saying like tell mom and dad everything's gonna be all right it's like just like yeah no, i totally believe in that stuff well yeah i mean and it's been confirmed like my mom visits you know she kisses my my brother's kids good night every night watches over them okay and then apparently she bounces between his house and my house to kiss my kids good night every you know and i'm like hey time travel that's cool in the spirit world that's awesome you know like let's jump go to san francisco that's cool so this uh wow that this is a, this is an amazing start to the day so <laughs> I, I thought this was beer you not spirits there we go yeah so no i was up at like 5 30 got up and went for about a four mile walk and then you know that's when it started with christina right off the bat with uh are we really doing this and, mm-hmm. and now we now we get a um we get a lesson on 
spirits and ghosts. You get a ghost story in the daytime. Raccoons <laughs> that um, probably died in an unfortunate dumpster and garbage truck accident. That's what's really haunting you. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, how's the family? Anderson, EdTech. Hey, family's good. Um, they The kids finally got to go to a real school, like in person this past week. So, you know. Are you saying that online school is not real? Well, I'm not saying it's not real, but it's not as good as them going in person. <laughs> How do you know? So, all right. Well, let me let me put it this way. My both my kids did really well in online, and my son actually he's he's been a homebody since this whole thing started. Anyway, you know, like he he never wants to go anywhere because that requires putting on pants. So and when you're <laughs> when you're <laughs> when you're five years old, and all of a sudden you have to put on pants when that's that's not a thing. I, I There's a whole know. section of the population that has that issue right now. Yeah, we have we have we have days like that. Well, <laughs> like really, but, I here, put on pants but here's today. the double standard. I have an issue here down <laughs> with, with that, though. Here's my issue. If my five year old son says I don't want to put on pants and just lays around all day. Oh, that's cute and funny. If I do it, I, that means I'm lazy and disgusting. So that's a double standard that I have a problem with. I'm sorry. That could just be ageism. I was going to say, that's there, ageism. Fight against ageism right there. Yeah. <laughs> and, so. you know, I mean, I have to say, like, you all are, you know, identify as men needing to put on pants. You know, I, I identify needing to put another garment on. Like, I mean. True. So. In public. Yeah. So, very true. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, yeah, kid, kids did pretty well in online, but they're happy to be back in nice. person because now they can actually interact with other humans instead of just like faces on a screen well and i think that's the whole big thing right i mean my kids were totally fine right and actually i love the whole online situation because it actually decreased my stress in life mm -hmm. i didn't have to try to get three kids out the door by a specific time so we don't hit rush hour traffic to get to school and right you know then i have to like make sure that all my meetings end by a certain time during the day to go pick up the kids by a certain time so i don't get charged extra for aftercare and all that and trying to get dinner started at a specific time mm -hmm. so that nobody gets hangry and then you know like the whole deal i this was great honestly like for me and i know i could be like a total anomaly but i'm good working from home i like working from home i work really well like my east coast hours living on the west coast i'm good waking up at my five ending my day at three pacific time like i'm good with that and i'm good with the kids doing their thing mm -hmm. i don't know maybe that's the also the teacher because i know a lot of parents were freaking out like how am i supposed mm -hmm. to teach my kids i almost think that this was an advantage having had education as a background right that I was I was okay having a multi grade level classroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, hold those thoughts for a second. So, if you've been listening to us banter for almost ten minutes now, you're in the midst of episode what number, Ben? One hundred. This is episode one hundred of the Beer Edu podcast, and just uh, normally we do this at the very beginning and whatnot, but we were having <laughs> so much fun. We're like, you know what? Whatever. Let's just let it flow. So. So I'll just go ahead real quick. I'm Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson Ed Tech. And then my partner in crime for these last 100 episodes, Ben, is here as well. Ben, yep. what's yep. up? 
Uh, hey, not much. It is episode 100. I'm Ben Dixon. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BDixonNV. And yeah, this is the 100th episode of the Beer ADU special live. We're doing it live. We have two guests. And I guess we should start with beer, right? Yeah. So um, but real quick, yeah, we got Christina Mattis is with us returning yep. for this is your third time, I believe. Yes. With I us, yeah. <laughs> I feel it's like like the SNL host. Like, do I get a, a, a token or something after five times or a jacket? There's after- a gift bag. Yeah, we'll under to- your chair. There's a gift bag. Yeah, uh, <laughs> love it. Yeah, and no, and I actually just realized um, I we were using Streamyard for Q Live this year for the virtual Spring Q 2021, and I realized my my name was. Uh, carried over from all the awesome Q Live stuff from this year. So, but I'm Christina Mattis and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much wherever else at Christina Mattis. I try to keep it simple and straightforward. Right and, so and I give a huge shout out to, you know, the other guest that's sitting next I to me, Brady Bunch View, and, and that's yes. Joe. So, yep. Joe Martez yeah. is with us. there's there's the high five so if you're listening to this uh you'll have to go to our youtube channel to see the actual video but they just high five brady bunch style is pretty cool so (laughs) but yeah joe marquez is here too this is your second time on the show with us so joe how you doing buddy yeah i'm doing good uh it's a great morning and just like all of you i got a pretty early today to get my walk in and um, you know, excited to chat here. And I, I guess if you consider the crossover we did, Beer EDU and Sons of Technology, this could be my third one as yeah. well. We'll count it. So yeah, we will. Yeah, so I'm, we'll, we'll I'm, call that the third I'm, one. I'm then. counting it. I'm counting it. So yeah, know, that's go. all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So I know, Christina, you were episode nine, which you were, I believe, if you weren't our first guest, you were like second, I think. You were, I, but, and that was the one that we did. You and I were together at my parents' house at the kitchen table, mm-hmm. and then Ben was in Reno. That was early. That's yeah, right. That and, and it might have been the first guest. I don't. Yeah. know. that's a good question. No, I no, not the first, but I was definitely early in the lineup. Early, and we were we were trying to do something with like stirring the pot. Yes, that's what it was. Yep. So yeah, that was the name of the episode, stirring the pot with Christina Mattis. So, but uh, yeah, I believe that was episode nine, and then you were back for episode fifty, our milestone episode. Yeah. And then now here you are back for one hundred. So basically, just um, pencil in every time we do a milestone episode, you're going to be here. All right. Awesome. I'll be there. (laughs) So, and Joe, I believe episode it was. I think it was like thirty seven. When we did the crossover episode, I'm going to go back now and check that. And um, then we did an actual episode. Well, not that the crossover wasn't an actual episode, but (laughs) we did an episode with you again. Oh, I can't remember the number on that one. I'm going to scroll through here. It was during the pandemic. Don't all those days kind of meld together? Just all all, Uh, all one one moment in time. Episode 73, Hacking EDU at Joe Marquez. That was... uh, that was last summer, yeah. So that was that was last June when we thought like, oh, we'll be back to school in August or September. I remember that. That'd be great. I remember that. Oh yeah. yeah. We're not gonna wear masks very long. It's <laughs> Yeah, so and looking back, Christina confirmed episode nine, January fifth, twenty nineteen, oh, you were the first official guest. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yep. You were. We did. We did a whole eight episodes, and we realized 
this can't just be the two of us. <laughs> Somebody Holm. else has to wrangle, wrangle us in. Sarah That's Holm true. joined us. She sat with us at the Depot at the Brewery Depot. in Reno. Yes. Yes, and we said. chatted a little bit, but that was more of just like a, hey, here we are, let's chat. We just did a hangout. Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't necessarily, she she was a guest, but she wasn't like official, like where she official was the guest. center, right. center no. of attention kind of deal. So we got to have Sarah on, like why are we not? Uh, yes, we do. She has a new role this year. So in case you don't know, Sarah Holm is my partner for Teach MV Chat, and then she teaches up at uh, Incline up at Lake Tahoe and then now is taking a new role as I believe it's an equity coach in her building. So she's got some cool stuff. Yes. We'll have her on. Yeah. And now Joe, I can't remember when we had you on last summer, had you started your new position with Q yet at that point? No, I, I, I did not. I didn't start with Q until after the 4th of July. Um, okay. Yeah, so I don't even think I had applied yet. Maybe I was mulling it over at that point in June. Okay, so then that being said, then um, b- before that you were working for a company called CDW, and before that you were a middle school science teacher. So, but now mm-hmm. you have this position with Q. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do with Q and what that position is all about, then. Yeah. So what, what don't I do, right? It's just a whole bunch of fun. That's, that's what it is. I mean, basically, you know, the, the official title is director of academic innovation. Uh, but basically it's just being able to help provide PD to schools all across California, Nevada and beyond, uh, getting, uh, to work with great people like Christina on uh, Q Live, uh, getting to do super shares every week uh, with members of the Q community to share what they're doing and to give them a voice. Um, and then also working with our affiliates to make sure that um, you know they know that they're the boots on the ground and they're the ones that, that keeps the heart and Q running. So you know, I get to you know, put my hand in a lot of different cookie jars and always come out with something sweet. So it's been a, a really good joy uh, job this past uh, almost year now. Yeah, it's like the... Uh and other duties as assigned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that blanket statement in every teacher's contract ever. Yep. <laughs> and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so, well, and I love that analogy too. You get to stick your hand in all sorts of cookie jars and always come out with something sweet. That's, I got to remember that. That's a great analogy right That's there. Thanks. I just, I just came up with that on the fly. So there we you, go. Can, you, can, you can use it. Okay. So, well, we'll give you a, a yes. verbal trademark on that one. Yep. You have to call trademark. So, yeah. Now, there you and go. Christina, you, I believe, uh, was were, you were working at the county level, um, right. where you live. Um, is that still the case from the last time that we had you on? No. Um, in August, I made a very difficult decision to leave my position with San Francisco Unified, which you're right in in part. It's. Uh, it serves the city and county of San Francisco because it's okay. one and the same. Um, I needed to have more of a position professionally. And I will just say this right up front that I actually was really privileged to even have an option and a choice, you know, to, to choose to go in a different path and to um, still do what, I was doing for the district, right? Project management, change management, technology systems, implementations, which I totally love, right? Like having gone from high school teacher to ed tech TOSA to all the all the awesomeness that San Francisco had 
provided me and offered me to to grow professionally but i needed to have an a, a job that allowed me more flexibility to be with my kids and to give more time with to my kids and not um yeah just have more of that flexibility so i i transitioned i made that very difficult decision and now i am working for one school in the bay area and it's actually it's really awesome because i get to do like i said what i was doing um for san francisco but i'm implementing now for one school a whole new database that basically consolidates centralizes their development system and their accounting system and their enrollment system and their sis and their lms like sunsetting all of these disparate isolated systems into one centralized database which is super cool and really looking at okay how do we migrate the data accurately over into this one database how are we going to now train everybody to use this one database right it's like it's not just plugging in your online attendance which is great but like how do you pull a report and how do you teach people how to do that and all that good stuff so i'm really loving loving what I'm doing and loving the fact that I have the flexibility to give my kids the time that they, that they need right now during, during everything, what they're going through. Now I can't speak to what your commute was before, what your commute is now, but then again, we've been working from home for so long too, but you know, Mm. when you take commuting out of the equation that adds to the family time and personal time that much more. So it does. I will say yes. And I'm going to like cut you off because I think I know where you're going with this. But um, I will say that. So even with my commute into the city, it was still only like 35 minutes, 40 minutes to get to the office. Like that's not a big deal. What I will say is, you know, I would listen to podcasts and I would make my phone calls back to the Midwest because of the time zone difference, right? And so I kind of, now that my commute went from like 12 miles or whatever down to four miles, um, I I kind of don't have the time to leverage in the car to make the phone calls that I was able to make or listen to the podcast that I was listening to just because my time has decreased so much in the car. So there were benefits of commuting sometimes just tossing that out there, you know, I mean, because people who are in the car can listen to these great podcasts like beer edu, just saying. That is true. Yeah. yeah. We have had this discussion about like, cause I really don't I feel bad. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm literally, I'm less than a mile from my school. So, <laughs> so unless I walk yeah. 10, 15 minutes, it's like, I don't, I don't listen to anything. Ben and I have had this conversation a lot over phone calls and texts. I'm like, dude, you got to check out this episode of this podcast. And he's like, yeah, I'll get on that. And then I'll ask him like two weeks ago, hey, did you listen? I go, no, when did I have time I to do that? I, I listened to the first four minutes as I drove to work. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I got to listen to the rest. I'm yeah, not complaining. So, I'm not complaining. Because when no. I forget something and have to go to work or have to, as in the case of this weekend, exclude an entire class for, for a COVID safety issue, I can go to work and get everything I need and come home. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing. So 
the kids have really gotten into listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the NPR. Yeah. We listen to that one. I love, and I mean, and I will say, I really miss Port, uh, Prairie Home Companion on Sunday morning. I really, you know, that's just me. But listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the kids are so into it because we will actually pause at every quiz and say, mm-hmm. okay, is it A, B, or C? And the, it's interactive and it's engaging. And so that's where I try to find some podcasts that I can listen to with the kids that bring in some of that engagement mm-hmm. that we can play along. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think about your EDU and for our students who are minorities or, and, 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 and not, not minorities, um, how do you call like that? Not they're not of adult age. What's yeah, the, they're underage. Underage. They're, they're minors. 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 See, I need more coffee. Oh my! I was wondering minors. where you were going. <laughs> I know. I need more coffee. They're minors. Oh my god! See, this is where I need you all. So, um, you know, how can we make it more engaging for minors to listen to your to you? Yeah, I don't think we have a lot of content for <laughs> We are family friendly. I mean, I haven't dropped an F-bomb in 100 episodes, so I feel pretty good. Yeah. No, Maybe I, almost I, once. I, I honestly don't know if I less than five times when we dropped any word beyond damn That's or true. hell. So I think I think we've been doing all right uh, with that. So we haven't gotten any warning from Apple Podcasts or anything about an explicit rating for explicit. an episode or anything no. like yeah. that. Well, so. well, you could do like, you know, you were talking even before we went live about like your, your beer can art. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could get kids to like design art for beer cans. <laughs> for root beer. Root beer. Root beer. Sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla. <laughs> So, well, it, it's funny because, you know, when we, we were getting started with this and, uh, you know, I will say that those that are watching live right now, you know what time it is. But for those that are listening podcast uh, yeah. format after the fact, we are recording this on a Saturday morning. We started at 8 a.m. So it's early because this was the time that the four of us were able to pull this together. And unfortunately, we had two other guests that were going to join us too, Randall Sampson. Yep. What's up, Randall? Cool. And then Sarah Thomas was supposed to be here too, but uh, they had some prior commitments and was, was not able to join us. But Ben, <laughs> Ben's cursing me still because I roll in. Yes. I grabbed a beer at eight o'clock in the morning because I knew I'm like, you know what? This is the hundredth episode. Why not? We have to. So then I grabbed this beer and I, I tell tell Ben, hey, I got this awesome beer. Check out this canner. And he goes, he goes, you jerk. Now I'm going to grab a beer. But the best part about it, drink. <laughs> but the best part about this was I'm going out to the beer fridge and I grab one and my nine year old daughter looks at me and goes, You're having a beer this early in the morning, Daddy? <laughs> yes I am, sweetheart. Yes I am. <laughs> It's actually good that she did say that. It's not like she, that's a regular. So that, let's just clear that out of the way. This is a yeah. once in a. <laughs> no, I I, to tell you, I can't tell you last time I had a beer this early in the morning. So uh, it, I, it probably involved uh... watching some sporting event. Yes. Like soccer. Most likely soccer because, you know, they're, it's 7 p.m. in England. So. Right. It's, it's either watching live soccer in a pub. And I think I was in Atlanta probably. Or it's any college football homecoming game that I've been to. Because mm-hmm. then you always start. You're in the parking lot. That's or, the breakfast of champions there. Yeah. Or, oh, no. 
49er home game in the old Candlestick Stadium in the parking lot. There you that go. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. 10 a.m. kickoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was beer strength. At and breakfast, yeah. And breakfast of champions, right? It's like, what was that? And I'm going to, um, what was that? The, the, the red eye where you put the tomato yes. juice in the egg or whatever. It was know, tomato juice, egg. It's well, you, we reference it's from cocktail. It's no, from the class, you know, the the incredible actor of that is Tom Cruise. Uh, and I think it's um, yeah, what is it? Egg, tomato juice, Tabasco. I have to. I don't know. Let me ask this question. He's famous for doing his own stunts. Did he really drink the thing with a raw egg in it? Dude did his own stunt on that one. I'm sure he did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Sylvester Stallone. So. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Come on. Classic so. Rocky scene. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So all of that sounds good. Tomato juice and beer and Tabasco. I, I don't know if I could do the raw egg part. So hmm. I I don't know. Maybe raw if eggs that... raw eggs are safe. A lot of people think that you get like salmonella from them, but if the shell is not cracked, raw right. eggs are safe. And my wife was asking me this other day. She goes, Well then how come it's how come it's bad to eat cake batter? The flour. The flour uh, is more likely yeah. to have bacteria in it if you don't really? cook it than well, a raw egg. And the thing about eggs that the bacteria it doesn't come from the inside; it comes from the outside of the shell. Right. right. So when you crack so. the shell, then the bacteria hits yeah. it. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to so. wash your eggs. See, there. <laughs> got to wipe those eggs down with. Yeah, got to do it now. Now <laughs> when this is done and I go make an omelet, I guess I'm going to be running my eggs underwater now and washing them off. So. Got Clorox wipes in his kitchen to wipe them. Oh. <laughs> Clorox wipes on the and it's totally fine to leave your eggs, even your butter, not outside of the refrigerator. Like you don't have to put certain stuff in the like don't put your tomatoes in the refrigerator. Like your right. tomatoes, you know, they're just That's a debate in our house about the butter. Why is the butter in the fridge? You don't have to put your butter in the fridge. You don't have to put your eggs in the fridge all the time. Like, butter does not mm-hmm. spread when it's cold. That is correct. I, my butter is always out on the counter, and it could sit there for a week, and I'm still using it. So. You can't make good cookies with hard butter. You can't. you got to have soft butter. So you better be leaving that butter out overnight. No, no. Sometimes you do want your cold butter, so you're, you're like, at least in your pie crust, so it's flakier. And you also want to put in a shot of vodka into your pie crust because it makes, your, it, makes it flakier. Okay. I kid you not. I kid you not. This is something from the old country. <laughs> so, because you're very proudly and very outspoken about your Lithuanian heritage, and yes, and I know vodka has a big, big part of that. And, and there's a there's a liqueur that you make that is Lithuanian and and whatever. So that, but guaranteed, but pie crust with vodka in it—that's an old country thing, isn't it? It very well could be. I don't know. I listen to my father sometimes. He also says that stole. So there's a literal translation from Lithuanian where stolen flowers grow best. So if you walk around your neighborhood and you like a flower, just go ahead and, and get it from here because it's already established and it's, you know, it's there. But yeah, no, I, I actually do need to make a trip out to Nevada. I have to cross. Oh, wait, we're live. I can't disclose the fact that I cross state lines. You're fine. Me. We're contiguous. We're OK. You, okay you're okay. We'll let you come over. You're yeah, so I, I do need permission. Okay, good. So I do need to cross over state lines to get some more Everclear to make Krupnikas because I'm a lot of Everclear right now. 
So is that because they don't sell the high octane Everclear in California? Is that right. why you got to come? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could do it with regular vodka, but it's the Everclear. You yeah. really want the high, high proof because some of it, you know, steams out and, and boils mm -hmm. out when you make it. So, yeah. Yep. That's I remember what we're that from for. college because <laughs> Michigan only sold the, I think, 151 proof Everclear, whereas Wisconsin sold the 190. And what we would do is we would make the uh, the juice with the fruit floating in it. I mean, jungle juice is what a lot of people mm -hmm. call it, but it had it. We called it wapatuli. I'm not sure why we called it that in Michigan, but um, oftentimes we wanted to get a bottle of that to put in it uh, in college because. At, at what point is the difference between Everclear I, and 190 what... proof not the same as just rubbing alcohol from the right. stools. See, <laughs> we can, 150 to 190, what is the difference? You're going to go blind. We can say that now as adults that are 20 plus years removed from college. You don't think that way when you're in college. <laughs> you see those numbers and you're like, oh, 190, that's more than 151. That's what we have to get. So let's this one drive goes an to hour 11. and a half. <laughs> let's drive an hour and a half to the Wisconsin border and go to that little liquor store just across the border and get the 190 for the same price as the 150 you can get on the Michigan side. That was the logic. Yeah, logic, logic. So. I had a, I had a friend who used to go to Africa all the time. He'd come back with this box of of liquids, and it looked like Otter Pops that are not frozen. But it was like a hundred and ninety proof liqueur from Africa, and you just take a shot like, oh. like you would an otter pop or a gogurt, <laughs> and you just have a whole what's bunch of these things. Otter, wait, what's an otter pop? The little uh, frozen, a, a, a frozen um, popsicle type things pop. that are in the the plastic yeah. tube. The push the the the, the icy no. icy pop the the not a push pop. No, it's, it's not just a like a, it's the icy pops. Yeah, you cut yeah, the top you. of the plastic yeah. off, and then you, yeah, those. Yeah. What the do you? Brand, the brand name. There's a brand name called Otter Pop. Yes, and yeah, that's that's the high brand, right? Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you if you really wanted to get your ice lollies, your Otter Pops are the ones to go. Otter Pop. Yeah, no, we just call it, like you want an icy pop, like a like, we do. Okay, I have learned something new. That's what the Beer Edu podcast is all about. It's about teaching. We're all about education. All about education. Got it. Okay. Vodka great. in your pie crust. Mm -hmm. and now Otter Otter Pop versus Icy Pop. And Otter Pop is like the name brand. People refer to yes. Otter Pop as like that's the blanket statement for all of those things. Kind of like how Jacuzzi is a hot tub. Or like Kleenex and Xerox. No, I totally get that. Yeah. I've never heard of Otter Pop before. Oh, interesting. So interesting. Okay. now Joe, you with your new position, you used to travel a lot, and now you're not traveling at all. So now, Christina talked a little bit about getting that family time back. How's that been for you? I mean, it, it's it's been great. I mean, I get to see my girls truly grow up, right? I mean, I have a, a four-year-old now and a, a two-year-old now. And when I was traveling, I mean, I'd come back home after two or three or four days, and it seems like they just grew up. You know, and so being able to see them grow and, and, and give them a bath every night and put them to bed every night. And I'm able to cook family for my dinner, family for my dinner, my dinner for family my family. For your dinner. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I am I am not I am not drinking this morning. I swear. Uh, I cook uh, dinner for my family. Uh, it's It's been a, 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 a true joy. Uh, and, and I've been trying to take advantage of it, knowing that. Right when things go back to quote unquote normal um, right. travel, will be back on the table. 
and uh, I'm just I'm just trying to live this up as much as I can because my daughter is going to be going to kindergarten next year. I mean, I can't believe she's going to be starting wow. that path, right? And then in the, in the blink of an eye, she's going to be graduating high school, right? So yep. uh, I just want to live it up and, and love on them as much as possible. So I've, I've tried to take full advantage of the situation. Right. So even with the kids, like being home, I really appreciate you saying all that, Joe, right? Because you get to see your kids actually grow and and become more of themselves. And what I learned, and I'm going to just throw this out, you know, to anybody who has children and you've had this opportunity to watch them now, Mm what I, what I don't want to go back to normal is having kids sit in desks in rows because Mm -hmm. what happened with, with my observation with my three kids is that each of them has grown into Mm -hmm. identifying how they learn best. Well, not necessarily like, oh, I need kinesthetic or I need visual. I mean, that's, you know, yes, you want all of that. But um, they have each really learned like that whole flexible Mm -hmm. arrangement. So I take a look at my son when he is getting that, that synchronous learning online, he was very much, I need to be at my desk. I have my computer. I have my pencil, paper, whatever, very structured. Right. But then when it was learn on your own time, or, you know, you've got your, I don't know, like homework time or whatever it was, he would then reposition himself onto like a beanbag or whatever and and work Mm -hmm. on his own. Right. My daughter, my middle daughter, she very much needed that structure. If she was sitting on the couch with her Chromebook or wherever else, I mean, she would still be on task, but she was the one who would totally have her squirrel moments Mm-hmm. And just like sitting at a coffee shop and she wouldn't pay attention to what was really going on. She would be listening in on everybody else's conversations. And it's like, girl, you need to have like that quiet library right. type of environment. My six-year-old, she would love to just sit at the table, but not sit. She needs to stand. Right. And she's focused and she's listening and she's writing and doing everything, but she stands when she works. And so for me, what my fear as a parent and as an educator is that going back, transitioning back into the classroom, I think about classroom management and Mm -hmm. what are going to be those standardized expectations for all students Mm -hmm. versus what's going to be allowed and flexible at the at the, at the discretion of the student. Like if my six-year-old needs to stand when she writes, when she thinks and processes, is she going to be allowed to do that? And so that's where I'm thinking, you know, no, I don't want to go back to normal when it comes Mm -hmm. to education in, in some respects, right? right? I don't want students to be told you all have to sit now we know kids need to fidget. We know, like, shoot, I need to stand when I work and I type. And I know I've even posted, like, I'm in a training and I'm walking out at my desk treadmill. Like, I don't want to sit. So we're allowed to be flexible as adults and have our own, you know, choose when we need to sit, stand, whatever. Can our students have that same option as well? And I think, so, so I'll speak to, like, in my experience, so we're fully back with the exception of like 
like, so we have, a, I have about 560 kids in my building, but about a hundred are doing DL. So they're, they're doing their own thing. So my kids are, the kids are back in the building. And so, but we have to follow all the safety protocols. So Nevada just up the number 75% capacity in rooms, but you have to be three feet apart. So what's happened is it's so funny because the, some of the kids are like, Ooh, now we're doing school. Cause in their brain, they thought school was desks and rows. Cause maybe that's what, that's what they see on TV. And like for, I think for my teachers, my teachers are like, I, I, I can't wait till we can put them back in groups because there's really, it's really hard to have a cooperative conversation three feet away from each other, especially when you're wearing a mask. So I think, I think you're going to see that piece where kids are coming back and teachers do recognize that like kids got to move, kids got to get up and, 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 uh, and, and like have their space and however they do it. And I do see one of the things Kyle and I've talked about this is like good things that have come out of, of this situation is that my, at least my staff is seeing that, you know what, academics are super important, but there's this SEL piece and each kid is an individual learner and they all need something different. And it's like, I think it's kind of relaxed some right. of the, some of that stuff where it's like, you don't have to, I tell them all the time, you don't have to do it that way. It, try something different. And if you think we're doing it the way we did a year ago, it's, that's dead and gone. It ain't yeah. ever going to look like that. You know, and I'm Whether glad you're talking masks. about this. I'm glad you're talking about this because the last year that I was in the classroom, I got rid of all my classroom furniture. Mm-hmm. I said, I want all these desks and chairs out of here. And they right. go, what are you going to do? I go, well, I'm going to buy those fold up lifetime tables that look like little briefcases mm-hmm. and they, they unfold. And then there's three levels. There's uh, one level where you can sit crisscross applesauce on right. the ground and use the table there. The next level up is you can use a chair and the next level up you can use as a standing right. desk. And so I would tell the students, you, this, this desk is meant for three people because I only have 12 of them. Right. So this desk is meant for three people. So find people who want to sit the way that you do, and you're going to share it. If you don't want to work with anybody, I built almost like a counter next mm-hmm. to the window wall. And kind of like a barista, like Starbucks area, they can go and put their laptop on that counter, stand mm-hmm. and work independently. And so the class was different every single day because the students decided where they put the desk, where they're going to sit, how they're going right. to sit. And I'll tell you, I had zero problems in that class. I didn't have wow. any students who were uh, you know, uh, misbehaving. I didn't have any students who were off task mm-hmm. because they felt they were giving a little bit of ownership yeah. of their learning. And um and they loved it. And I, I, I wish I, I wish I was in the classroom more after that, because I think I finally started to see how that could really create a better learning right. environment. Um, so only doing that for a year, I wish I would have done it more because it was a really great experience. Well, yeah, and I think I think that is that's that that whole we talk about student voice and those kind of things. I think that is like, what is your learning? I mean, all of us. I mean, like I have an office, I'm sure you guys do. I mean, my office, I don't have a desk. I have a standing desk, but I have a table. I don't do well at a desk. I mean, I always, t- my kids would always laugh. They're like, I, I was the AP at the school that I went to elementary school. And then my kids were like, oh, where, I, I said, oh, this was my fifth grade classroom. And they're like, where did you sit? And I pushed the desk against the teacher's desk and turned it backwards. And I go, I got to sit right here. And they're like, oh, you were one of those kids. Like, yes, I was one of those kids. That's why I don't have a desk in my office. <laughs> But they should take ownership of that. Ben, you had mentioned something where you're like, right, every kid needs something different, right? Right. I think that that statement is overwhelming 
for teachers yes. who haven't had the opportunity to play around with what it means to offer flexible seating arrangements or the voice and choice, like mm -hmm. show me what you know, you know, and, right. um, and so I think about how can we offer those safe opportunities for teachers to play around with that? Because it's not like every single student needs right. their own individual education plan. Right. And I'm not talking right. like in a, a documented IEP, right. but like not like everybody needs something a hundred percent different. Like, there are similarities in student learnings, right? Like to what Joe said, it's right. like, you all want to sit crisscross applesauce, find those like-minded right. people, right? Like-minded classmates or, you know, who wants to stand. But it's like, you know, I think about leveraging whatever cloud-based platform you might be mm -hmm. using where, okay, you want your kids to show you something, their understanding, right. their knowledge, their their application of something. Not everybody has to write an essay. Like, right. show me through a slide deck. Show me through a drawing. Show me through, like, an infographic, right? But, like, the teacher needs to have that time to get used to how to play around with all of that to be able to collect all those various different uh, works to, to assess, right? And so even thinking about assessment and how are we going through right. reforming assessment and what assessment looks like for kids right now going back into the classroom. So lots of stuff. Well, no, and, and I think you make a good point because I think that there is a perception and maybe it's just my perception in, in education that if you're not that teacher in that room who has the flexible seating, who has the, who's doing all the PBL, who's doing all these things, you're not a cutting edge teacher. And I've seen teachers who you would call traditional teachers who, who do things maybe different. And that's one thing as a principal that I had to learn as I came into a building from another building and, and from multiple buildings. And I'm like, I'm not really sure about this. And then you have to watch. And then you realize, okay, that teacher, while they might not represent how I teach or, or what the, whatever article I read that says great teaching is, they're still mm -hmm. providing something to student. And so you're right. I think it's, it's, Sometimes it's just a little bit of a change as opposed to a radical, radical shift. Exactly. You all have to do, everybody do this. Everybody's got to do portfolios. And it's like, you will have that teacher who's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I want to share, I, I know Joe's like itching to say something. I was <laughs> like waiting at the edge of his seat to say something. But before Joe does, I just want, before I forget, because, you know, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. Um, That's the phrase of the day. I haven't coffee. had enough coffee yet. Yeah. Um, what I think about is then how are we able to still keep that sense of autonomy when it comes to instruction and teachers seeing, okay, this kid needs this, this kid needs this, right? You're, the teacher is no longer... Um, you know, the teacher is the mentor, the guide, the coach to allow students to take ownership of their learning. But how are we also able to have some of that consistency and continuity when it comes to assessment? Because if you've got, say, you know, three different classrooms for third grade, how are you able to say, okay, third grade in classroom A, B, and C are being assessed in in a way that could be consistent and continuous so that parents know that, 
oh, well, if my kid had this teacher, they would be doing this. Mm-hmm. And oh, but if my kid had this teacher, they would be doing this. Like, how are we, how are we, I don't know, not legitimizing, but um, somewhat standardizing. You, right. so there isn't like vast differences depending on who you have as a teacher. Well, I, I think that's the big question of why standardized testing, right? And is the standardized mm-hmm. testing that we're giving them conducive to truly understanding if our students understand something or not, right? Mm-hmm. And I would always tell, you know, my, my administrators, I'd be like, you can tell me what I have to teach. You can't tell me how I have to teach it. Right. And, you know, this common assessment you're asking me to give, it's so below what my students can show. And it, because mm-hmm. it's all multiple choice. I don't want them to do multiple choice. I want them, I want to give them a a problem or situation and have them be able to explain their way out of it or you put, you know, have them in a a lab practical where they actually have to put it together and show me they know what they're doing. To me, that's science. That's hands-on science. It's not bubbling in, um, bubbling in, uh, you know, letters, but then another science teacher might not be comfortable with that, right? They might like the other one. And so I don't think you should really pigeonhole a teacher and say, you have to assess this way because it'll, it's common what the other teachers are doing because that may not be conducive to the way that you teach. And I, I, I ran into a lot of issues in that same instance because I wanted to make progressive changes and not go back to, okay, well, okay, class, we've been doing it this way this whole month. But because we have to do what all the other teachers are doing, we have to take this test today. It became like a a, a bump in our flow. But then when does it become student-centered and student-focused and not, oh, this is just what the teacher wants to do? So that's where I struggle, Right. right? It's like, okay, so you've got Mr. Joe as your teacher who has all these, you know, science labs, and then you've got teacher whoever who's doing more of those bubble because that's what the teacher is comfortable doing. But when does it become, no, this is what's in the best interest for the kids. Right. And that's so, and and I would argue that's where the the PLC comes in, the professional learning community and building in time for teachers to have, and be honest and have upfront conversations. Cause if I'm teacher a and Joe's the teacher next to me and Joe's assessments are killing it. I'm like, what are you doing? Like what, why are your kids progressing? So, and I, that's why there's that, I see Joe's point, but I also see that you have to have, Christina, to your point, you got to have some maybe standardized way to say, this is how the kids are learning. And I, I don't know, because I, I, I was more much like Joe. I was more a hands-on teacher. I love projects. I love project-based learning. Whereas yeah. my teaching colleague didn't. So then how did we? Well, It right. was always kind of a thing. And that's where, and now I'm going to bring in um, some some workplace conversations, not divulging everything, but we are as I'm implementing this new database, right? And along with it comes the SID, the you know student information system, mm-hmm. where you've got your grade book and your report cards that are then generated from. And it's like, well, hang on, if teacher A has twenty assignments in their grade book. Mm-hmm that teacher A weighs their assignments differently than teacher B and teacher B say has 40 assignments and teacher B has, you know, weighs their scores differently, but they're both teaching fifth grade. How are parents then reassured that 
their student in classroom A to classroom B have, you know, right. similar. So that's where it's like, mm, what? Because grades are dumb. Grades are dumb. No, I get it. But like, well, I mean, the point, but, you know, that's where it's like, okay, but you need a report card or, you know, right. your transcript to get into high school or to show high school. Exactly. And then you need a transcript from high school into college. And so this well, is I, like, yeah. this is that really hard conversation of like, how do you keep the student at the forefront and make sure that the student is getting what the student needs, but how are you kind of leveling the playing field so that you know students are being assessed kind of like at that same same level? We, you And I'm only gonna say, we are, I'm living this right now. Third quarter report cards just went home. My kid's on DL. Have, yeah. it, we all know it is a totally different world for them. I have an amazing teachers in each grade level teaching distance learning. Then I have my teachers at face-to-face. And to yeah. compare what the two kids do, well, the parents do, because they go, well, he got a C and he got a D. And I'm like, it's not the same. I mean, right. and then that's a whole other, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Now, Christina, I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago. Um, you were talking about students have personalizing things for students, individualizing education, but not necessarily an IEP. So... I want to advocate for a moment where I think that every student should have an IEP. Not mm -hmm. necessarily because I think that every student has learning disabilities and needs to have those addressed, but the big piece that I think about, especially for high school students, but I think it needs to be addressed more in elementary school too, is the transition piece of an IEP. Where mm. the require, requirement, once a student turns 14, is you have to start addressing what is your plan for the future? And like I tell my kids, because I have all freshmen in my caseload right now, and when I have the conversation with these kids, 90% of them are like, I don't know what I want to do when I get done with high school. It doesn't necessarily have to be a concrete plan. This is exactly what I'm going to do. You may not have an idea, but starting to talk about those interests and potential plans for after high school is something I think every student needs. And some students are very driven and don't necessarily need an adult in their life to tell them that, you know, you need to start thinking about this stuff. So, for example, I have one student on my caseload right now as a 14-year-old high school freshman. I'm going to the United States Navy. I'm not changing my mind. So that's his deal. But, again, many of the kids in my caseload, they have no clue what they want to do. They don't know if they want to go to college. They don't want to know. They don't know if they want to just get a job or what the deal is. And yeah. right now we're talking about just students that qualify for special education services. But why can't that student that – qualifies for gifted and talented gate services have mm -hmm. that same conversation why can't just the average kid have that conversation yeah and have yeah. it documented as well i mean ben's talked about this in the show many times that when he was in school he thought he was gonna be a professional skateboarder that's that was his plan for the future whatever uh but who knows what would have been different had right. ben talked had a conversation with an adult and documented right. some of the thoughts where it could have been like, hey, I want to be a professional skateboarder, but if that doesn't work out, I want to play right. guitar in a punk band, which was another one of his dreams. And that's so. so fascinating that you're bringing this up because, you know, again, like kids and I are listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And um, there was, or wait, oh, and and also there's a, there's a podcast on Spotify. It's a Spotify original. What is it? Every Little Thing. And they're like 20 mm -hmm. minutes, 25 minutes, which is perfect for kids' attention spans. But um, 
there are two recent episodes, both around career choices. And on the Every Little Thing podcast, somebody asked, you know, how do you make those punching sounds on TV or in movies? And then the other one on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, I can't remember who the guest was, but it's like every kindergarten student ends up getting the question of like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And all these five-year-olds just know like 10 jobs. You've got like police officer, firefighter, doctor, lawyer, you know, like these whatever. My son wants to have an ice cream truck right now. That's well, his dream. Well, there you go, right? But this, so, you know, we're, we're listening to these episodes about, you know, these career choices that people have gone into. And they interviewed this woman who actually renders sounds for movies. And she's an Emmy winning sound creator, generator, whatever. And I'm like, how do you wake up one day? I want to make sounds. And I was talking with my kids about that because I'm like, there are so many careers out there that you have no clue that exist when you're five years old, 10 years old, 14 years old. I mean, there's so, like, I had no clue that going from a high school English teacher that I would be project managing and change managing systems implementations for schools. I had no clue that that's where my path was going to take me because I didn't know that that existed until mm -hmm. I was in my 30s, right? Like I had no clue. And so I think about, you know, like for, for the kids, it's like, how do you then think about Kyle? Like if, if we have these more, say, um, structured conversations or formal conversations with kids to have them start goal setting and think about their interests and how their interests can then play a role in what they're going to do. How can we help facilitate then? Okay, well, if you want to go and make sounds for movies and TV and start figuring out, like, do you need a punching bag to make that sound or a slap to make that sound or whatever it is, like, what steps do you need to take then? to get you to reaching your goal. And so how can we maybe start bringing that in more into say like an IEP type conversation? Well, and think about, I, I'm not one of these people, but think about, you know, the people out there that went to college and they declared a major and they got halfway through like, nope, done, don't wanna do this. Had to start over from scratch and a four year degree turned into a six or seven year because yeah. they had to change their mind. And Ben right now is throwing up two thumbs because that was him. <laughs> I'm so, two credits short of being a high school English teacher. <laughs> and then I switched to elementary. I mean, I did kind of, I was gonna go to art school, but that's a whole other story. But but the point I'm, I'm, I'm making right now is that these are conversations that your advisor in college is having with you. You're talking to them, uh, you get assigned that advisor, they're supposed to help you guide you in your credits and whatnot throughout college and then you walk into their office one day, halfway through your major and say, don't want to do this anymore. I want to switch to this and whatnot. And they may take some time to try to convince you not to do that because you're so deep into where you're at, but whatever. Think about if we had these conversations with kids when they were 10, 11 years old, where they started diving into their interests then versus when they're 19, 20, 21 years old. So all of a sudden, like as a 10 year old, they're like, you know what? really think I'd love to get into mechanical engineering because they had a conversation with an adult and learned what mechanical engineering was. And they say, you know, that's what I want to do. But then when they turn 15, all of a sudden they're like, you know what? 
not sure I really want to do that. Maybe I want to be a doctor instead or insert any other career at this point. And so, giving the kids that it's okay, like what you said, that they're not so deep into it. Even if they're so deep into right. it, that it's okay for them to change. Give them the permission, give them the support to say, it's okay. If you are two credits shy of becoming that teacher, it's okay to change. I do think that's available for kids now. I think it's different and I, and I'm older than probably all of you. And, and I think that, that there's, there's in, in I, I think about my generation and the, and the generation, it's like you went to college, you got a job and that was your career. Like that was your career. And it's like, I look at kids, my own kids now are both out of, out of college. My son doesn't even do what he went to college for, but it, but it served him well. So I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe they do have more freedom. They talk about kids now will have multiple careers. No, well, I don't know. I think back to the one school I worked at here in Las Vegas, the tech Academy, where we yeah. had the different programs where there was auto repair, there was construction mm -hmm. trade, there was culinary marketing, Vocation. computer yep. science. There's all these different, like the, the old term vocations. Right. Yeah. So like a project-based learning type of school. Exactly. Right. Project-based learning, career and technical education, insert, you know, whatever you want right. to say here. The cool thing about that was I had, my students were mostly the marketing and the culinary kids. And what I learned was a lot of the kids that were in the marketing program, they got into that, they dove in, they fell in love with it. They pursued marketing or business type degrees when they went off to school or whatnot, or they didn't go to school and they socked away money and they tried to start a business. The culinary type kids, they did it and some of them went off to become chefs at high-end Las Vegas strip casinos. Some of them went off to college to become teachers, English teachers or whatever, and they just learned a skill. They learned how to cook really, really well as right. a result. But what that did was it gave the kids an opportunity to explore something they were interested at the time whether that blossomed into a career or not was varied from individual to individual student, but it gave them the chance. How many kids have been interested in baking or whatever, and their school didn't have the opportunity to let them dive into that, or didn't even really have the conversation with them about that, then they go off to culinary school, which, I mean, some of those for-profit culinary schools, I, I don't even know if they exist anymore based on some of the issues with like financial aid and whatnot, but they go off to that culinary school, they sock tens of thousands of dollars into going to that school, and they're like, you know what? Now that I realize what it's like working in a bakery or a restaurant, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. And now they've wasted how much time and money right. on that because they simply didn't have a conversation in high school or have the opportunity to explore something. Mm, I'm going really... to on that, though. Like, it, was it really time wasted? Well, maybe not money. Well, no. Was it really time and money wasted or was it that opportunity, that investment that allowed them that exposure and that experience to dive in and then realize over time, oh, you know what? I want to do something else, right? Like I'm not using my college degree right now to what I'm doing now, but I wouldn't say it was a waste of time because it's without those skills that I learned on how to write, how to communicate, how to whatever it was that I'm still applying, but it's not like I'm using my my degree now for what I'm doing, you know, and that's just the path that's taken me in my in my career, like my job changes, but my career is still within the field of education. Right. I guess it just depends on your frame of reference 
to what the experience was and whatnot. So one person may look at it as just like you are finding that silver lining, but another person may look and be like, man, I spent two years in a program I didn't want to do. And I spent now I'm $30,000 in debt. So well, I, not, it just depends. Doing it, just it because depends. you didn't want to do it. Like if you knew you were doing it going, like you didn't want to do it going into it, then I would say that's on you. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it just depends on the frame of reference. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. And I can see both sides of it, mm -hmm. uh, the, what, what you're saying. And then my original statement. So uh, now, Joe, like you've got that look on your face again. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. I'm waiting something's for there. He, he's Joe's like, I'm something. itching. I've got something here. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to before long, I'm just going to dive in. So doors no, I would have loved more of those classes when I went to high school. I mean, I would have loved to learn more about woodworking. I would have loved to learn more about um, electricity, being an electrician. I would have loved to be exposed to those kinds of things because like now as an adult, I do those things, but I have to go on YouTube and make sure I'm doing it right and making sure I don't electrocute myself, but I have to do research to do it. I would have just loved to have known about electricity. How do you wire a house? How do you wire this? How do you build a gazebo? I think that's just great as a human being, knowing how to work with your hands and create things. Not necessarily I would want to go into a career doing it, but I think I would have enjoyed creating something with my hands and come out of that class with a skill that I could take for the rest of my life. I mean, cooking and, and building and all those things are things that I love doing uh, just for joy in myself. But I was never given the chance to learn a little bit more from an actual person who, who knew that craft when I was in high school. So I, I think that should be a real big focus on at least exposing students right. to those kinds of opportunities. Home ec. I, Joe, thank you. Yes. Because like I, you know, if it weren't for my grandmothers, I wouldn't have learned how to knit and crochet and sew. Right. Mm -hmm. Those are life skills. Like you get a hole in your sock. Well, at this point, it's like, no, that's just going in the trash. Oh, let me find one, you know, smile.amazon.com. That, that was the best example ever. Right? Like, you know, it, it, but learn how to sew, learn how to have, learn how to, if you're hungry, learn how to boil that water. And, and what was that, that, that documentary, Salt, Acid, Fat, Heat, the book, yep. the, the mm -hmm. right? It's like, yep. make your water salty as the sea. Right. Then you, you know, and, and just well, learn. I have this and I just call Uber Eats. What are you talking about? Oh my God. <laughs> you can order me Uber Eats then anytime. No, I know. And I know, I, no, I do, I do, yeah. I do cook, but I think you're exactly right. I was very fortunate to go to, at the time, like Kyle described, the the yeah. version up here in Reno is a vocational, and I learned because I was not a traditional student, so I learned um, graphic arts and printing. That's why I. What is a traditional art. student, really? Well, exactly. I don't know, because to Kyle's point, I mean, if you think about and Kyle, kind of the the point of like all kids need an individualized education plan. Who who is that kid that is exactly fifty percent on that on that bar on that that curve? There's no kid. There's either kids that are excelling at one thing and they struggle in one thing. And there's, I mean, I've yet to meet a kid that's not good at something mm -hmm. and struggling in something. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, they do have their own, you know, their own path. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's because I did spend a long time in college doing multiple things that I think college also prepares you just to be a good human being and learn things 
and and learn like to Joe's point, learn how to do research, learn how to read things, learn what you're good at. It doesn't necessarily mean you're. I went to college for this, and then I'm going to do this. And I think parents don't want to hear that because you're paying for it. But or you know, kids are getting insane student loans. But you don't have to go to college to learn how to be exactly. Me, and you don't have True. to go to college to to learn. Like I take a look at my my nine year old. Right, she loves doing hair and she mm-hmm. loves cooking. She loves cooking. Like I, she just made bacon and eggs over there. And yesterday she made crepes all on her own and it's totally fine. She wants to be a salonist because that's how she refers to hair, right. but she wants to cook for her clients in the future. So this is what she likes now. Right. And this is what I want to support her in now. Should she change her mind later? Fine, whatever. But it's like she's learning how to, all of them, I hope, because who knows? I wish there was, you know, more instruction manuals on how to be a parent, because I think I screw up all the time. But, you know, teach them right and wrong, morals and values, and the difference between being polite and being mannered, because I think that there's a difference, you know, but give her the tools that support her in wanting to cook and give her the tools, preferably not scissors right now. So she doesn't cut anybody. Hair. <laughs> but you know, it's like, well, support that. Yeah. And how can, you know, like, I think I'm kind of lucky to, to have that for her, but start it now. Yeah, and I I don't think every kid has to go to college, and I think that I I do like the idea of putting people together from across the country who have different mm-hmm. viewpoints and different because I worry that like if you're always in your neighborhood and you're always with the same group of people, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is good to get that experience. I mean, again, I went to college when I had kids, so it was a little different for me than my own children. But they're they've got all kinds of different people across the country that you learn from, and maybe it's virtually, I don't know. I mean, we are way more connected now than clearly we've been last in a year, let's just say that. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go on the record right now and say when your daughter opens up this salon eatery, I'll be the first in line to get a hot lather shave and like an egg white frittata at the same time. So I am 100% your food. Behind. Well, I'm not saying at the exact same time. I'm not going to okay. get shaved while like shoving food in my face. And an, an egg wide shave. There you go. There we go. So, incorporating food and salonery even Bar further. Hair, so no, that that's a that's an awesome idea. And my my nine year old daughter loves to cook too. And uh, um, she not so much in the hair thing. She struggles to do her own hair. And then she asked me to help her. I'm like, are you kidding me? I I can comb your hair. I can't do anything beyond that. But no, I just if these conversations start happening more where kids can start talking about their interests more, it's, it's going to make life a lot easier for everybody involved. I mean, so many, so many people are in their mid twenties and still don't know what the, to do because they just never had the opportunity. And, right. you know, wow. and then, I mean, what we're solving the world's problems right now. I just hope that somebody out there is listening that can start help, trying to help us implement these things. And I think about the, um, some of my uh, neighbor's kids, there was one in particular, um, he was uh, starting his freshman year of college now, this the 2021 school year. And a lot of his friends, or not a lot, but I would say a few of his friends ended up then deferring for a year 
And um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's like, well, why am I going to go to college if I don't have the full college experience? Right. Two, they were like, wait a second, this gives me an opportunity to go see what's out there in the world. Right. And, and def, you know, by deferring for a year and to really solidify then what do they actually want to do? And I think about maybe maybe we do say it's okay to not go straight from high school to right. your next Thank like you. it's vocational or it's college or whatever it is. Like right. give the kid an opportunity to go have that internship, to go apprentice somewhere, go try things out and then really solidify a field that they want to go and, and become their, their expert in, you know, like, I don't know. Crickets. No one's responding. That's cool. Well, are there, are there, are there, is there a big movement for internships now? I, 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 I don't see that. Like there's no, like, you know, I don't think monster.com is a thing anymore, but there's no like no. internship message board that would say, Hey, we're looking for an intern kind of deal. And I think California has like internship laws where you can't have an intern right. that not pay them or something. So I, I mean, that, that would be very interesting to have a program where you have kids right out of high school doing internships, but not being used as like a, right. you know, free, free labor. labor. Yeah. And I think about, um, there's a, an organization, Ed Pioneers, mm -hmm. that uh, I think they're like 10 week internships actually. Right. And they are paid but you know, for 10 weeks, you get somebody who to come in, actually, I mean, you're not really out, you're kind of outsourcing a, a job that you need to get done with somebody right. who can do it for 10 weeks. It's possible. Well, and both of my kids did internships while they were in college, but that's how they got it. It was, it was because it was in that, it was through the college. It wasn't necessarily through high school, like Christine was talking about. And I, and I think that speaks to the whole idea of apprenticeship where you go and learn something, not necessarily because you have a skill set. That's my thing is like, okay, well, I'm already in this program. Like my daughter is going to graduate school in New York, art history, museum studies. So she's getting internships in museums because of that connection. Well, what would it, it would have been maybe better, like to your point, Christina, like what about at high school? Like right when they came out of high school. And I, I agree with you 110% about as someone who didn't go to college right away, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I have friends that are like, oh my God, my kid doesn't want to go to college. And I'm like, it's okay. It, college will still be there. You can actually go to college when you're in your late twenties and it's okay. And you can get a job that makes, that's going to pay you a lot more money without a college degree, depending on what you choose to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. you know, Christina, you're talking about the internships in high school. That was the beautiful thing about that school I worked at with right. those kids with their programs they all had an internship opportunity, whether that was going in for a few hours at an auto repair shop, whether that it was a big like, you know, name brand one, like a Jiffy Lube or something like that, or if it was just uh, a local man in the neighborhood owned an auto repair shop or whatever, or, or woman, or woman, you know, um, you know, men predominate the <laughs> auto repair business. So th um, that's why, I, that's why I said that, but no, you're absolutely right. There were females in that program. So, um, but in the experience that I had, the, the, the boys typically were in the auto repair program and then it was about 50, 50 at the culinary. But then when they got into their internships, uh, there, there tended to be a lot more females in the uh, culinary type, uh, internships that they were doing. So, mm -hmm. but giving that opportunity for students again in high school, 
Whereas, you know, Ben, your kids did those internships in college, which is great. Yeah. But at the same time, though, it while it worked out for them, it may not work right. out for every kid. Exactly. By, by, but just opening up opportunities earlier on in education, it, it's going to be better for well, everybody. And, and I think what I'm hearing is, like, I think we're all thinking about, like, how can we reimagine school for kids next year? Because I think that's the big thing is, like, we all know what do you, and so I'm curious, like, since we're all working in education, we're in different spaces. I mean, what do you see beyond beyond the normal changes that we know are going to have to happen with next year? I mean, what are you seeing like as a result of this pandemic? What do you see as a big shift? Or, or we won't have a shift. I don't know. Well, what I want to highlight back, I think what you said earlier, Ben, was that you can't you can't change everything all at once. And it doesn't have to be this big, monstrous change. It's little things. And so Mm -hmm. if you think about flexible seating, like you don't have to go back to Mm. rows in desks or desks in rows, right? I mean, it's little things because you can't come back and everything's going to be changed, right? It's but I think this pandemic has taught us that we don't have to move at glacial paces in education to make change, to make, mm-hmm. to reform. We, teachers went in, they planned for a week, three weeks, I mean, some longer, shorter, whatever. And all of a sudden, like, they're teaching online, right? right. We saw that it is possible to make change faster. But what I caution about that is make change not for the just for the sake of change. Right. Right. We don't have the luxury of constantly making change. Make sure that the change is actually in service of something. Be sure that you are mindful of what are the changes that actually need to happen to solve for a challenge or an obstacle that you're experiencing. And think about if it's not too ambitious think about what success actually looks like knowing that to adapt to that change takes time. People have to change behaviors. They have to change mindsets, whatever it is. So start small. You don't have to go big. So whatever it is, be mindful of it. You know, and I, and I think, you know, the idea that school doesn't have to be on campus five days a week from eight to three, right? You can have those students who choose to do maybe three days of independent work at home and then come on campus two times a week to check in with their mentor teachers and to kind of go over some things, right? You don't need those students who need to have such a structured educational um, uh, platform to be successful. And I I think schools can see that now. And so I think schools and districts need to understand that a virtual option should remain in place. And I I would push for every school, not not just a virtual school in a district, but every school should have a, a virtual component where they can have students opt into that, still be a part of that school campus. And then have designated days they can come in and check in with their teachers if they if they need to, but not necessarily. Hey, you have to be here five days a week, otherwise, you know, you can't come to this campus. I think that's a shift that can be made based upon what's happened. Joe, that is awesome that you're bringing that up because, right, we we shouldn't now go back to 
that, you know, proverbial Monday through Friday, eight to three, right? right. And I mean, because that's already even happening in the workplace. So if we're thinking about preparing our kids for the real world, you know, what are we as adults experiencing with the workplace return or not return or whatever it is? And how can we make that also happen for our kids? What I think about is how can we establish those types of environments on campus for kids? Because I think about families where parents do have to go back to the office and I think about childcare. And so if you've got kids still learning at home, I don't know if that's going to be realistic for the families who are going back, or the, the parents who are going back to work, right? And so how can we have those environments, those virtual environments on campus, those office hours, those homework study halls, opportunities for kids to go to campus, have that, there's still supervision, and then they can go, you know, so I mean, but yes, to your point, Joe, like, let's do a yes and and see how we can keep building on that because yeah. that's so neat. Yeah. And, I, and I think I heard I heard a keynote from was it Eric Schlesinger, who said that he is helping schools build that kind of model on campus where the mm-hmm. teachers are in their rooms and they're there to help any students who are on campus but don't have a structured schedule come right. in and ask and get help whenever they need to. Yep. But the students are in different pockets around campus uh, in almost like cafe style seating, doing right. their work on their devices. And then at any moment, they go, you know, I need to go ask my chemistry teacher about this. And they can mm-hmm. get up and go and ask. Exactly. Well, and I think there are schools already. And I, I took we took a group of teachers a couple of years ago to Cal, to Southern California to see um, a couple of different schools. And I wish I could remember the name of it. There's a school in in Santa Monica that was doing something similar to that, where it was they had a structured classroom and it was an elementary school. But then the kids had like these different learning spaces where they would just leave. They were still supervised mm-hmm. on campus and then they would do their stuff and then they'd come and check in with their teacher. So yeah. I do think I think you're right, Joe. I think there's there's an opportunity to do that. I think it's that whole shift of we've always done it this way. And there are schools that do it, Ben. Right. I mean, right. there are there are examples and exemplars out there. Right. It's thinking about how can we if if that is the the move that you want your right. school to go in, how can you then go and observe, learn from exactly. what's already been done, and scale right. it to your location. We don't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel every single no. time we want something new. Well, and I think it's those small and like back to the original point of like, it's not a radical shift. It's a small, like maybe it's just like for 20 minutes a day or maybe it's for how, or however you want to do it. It's not, it's not this, it doesn't have to be this radical shift where, um, you know, there's one school doing it and it's the special school that you have to apply to and all those other things. Right. Well, and speaking of that, Ben, my hope for change is a little simpler than some of these amazing ideas we've been talking about for the last hour and 20 minutes or whatever we've been doing this now. Uh, mine is more of let's embrace what we've learned and what we've done over the last mm-hmm. year and not revert back. So right. I've heard the handful of teachers that have said things like, I can't wait till we're back in person so I can go, so I can get rid of canvas and just go back to doing what I did before. And right. Like if we've been doing all this stuff mainly with digital technology, why, why are we looking to go back to right. things? And you know, and and I believe that the my it's a very small minority of teachers that are saying things like that. 
I, right. I believe a lot at this point, most teachers have really bought into the different methods and tools that are available to teachers and that we've had to embrace over the past year. Now, now we're for the four of us are the ones that like Joe likes to say, the hermit on the mountain screaming like crazy man or whatever about mm -hmm. this stuff for, for years as it is. But now I think we've get, we're getting more buy-in from people. So, so my hope is that once we do return to air quote normal, that this is the normal, this is the right. new normal. Dr. Nick Sutton, um, that's, that's his big thing. He's actually writing a book right now called the new normal. And right. that, that's, that's what he's preaching in that book is about how this is the new normal. And I just, I hope that ends up being the case and we're not reverting back to paper packets and, and, and just traditional seating and teaching styles that defined education for as long as it did. And that comes from leadership though, too, because mm -hmm. again, it's, if, it's the leadership that would then support and champion and advocate for what is, again, in the best interest of the student. We are here in service of students, whatever the age of students, right? Five years old, two years old, six months old, 25 years old. I'm still a student, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still learning and honing my craft, whatever that craft might be. And so how are we always keeping students first? And if the leadership takes a look at this is what the, the vision and mission is, are of the school, of the district, how are we ensuring that we are moving the adults, the educators to be aligned in that vision and mission so that our students are, are getting that experience? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So... At this point, we could do this for hours. We really could. So, uh, but I'm, I'm wondering if we're starting to lose some of the listeners out there a little bit. This is the longest Just, episode we've done. Th this is going to be the longest one ever. So I don't want to stop the conversation, but let, let's start doing a little bit of focus on a little yeah. wind down here. But um, first of all, Ben, we never did our beers. So we're actually going to do opposite. We'll end oh, yeah. the po podcast with our beers because we just had so much I'm fun so right on. from the start. But... <laughs> I, I want to ask, I mean, Ben, you and I have been doing this now right. for 100 episodes. Yes. And we have our thoughts on some of our favorite moments and whatnot. But I want to start with Joe real quick. You've been a longtime listener and a guest on the podcast as well. Is there anything in particular from any of our episodes that really resonated with you or like a favorite kind of moment or anything, something that you can think of off the top of your head? Well, I'd say it, it's more like a, uh, a a segment of your podcast that is always intriguing to me, and that's the history of the beer, right? I I, I do. I love learning. I mean, yeah. about about the different uh, histories of the beers and how they're made and and how they get their names, and and I I just I love that. And so uh, all the guests you have are amazing, but I really do anticipate the ending because I want to learn a little bit more about the beers that you're drinking. And, and that's all Kyle, like seriously, full disclosure, because he'll be like, I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. And Kyle's like, I already got something. I've already done all the research. I'm like, sweet. I'll quote unquote assign something to Ben every now and then just because yes, I'm passionate about it. It's usually the ones with uh, beer and food. Those beer, are the beer. those are Ben's. Yeah. So now Christina is the one who will do all the, the research. <laughs> Christina, same question. Yeah. Um, I will say 
what I appreciate um, is when you actually just veer off. Like there's no rhyme or reason or a set agenda to what you're talking about, but it just keeps going. And you're like, how did we end up here talking about this? And that's what I appreciate listening to, to you. Yeah, and that's something that Ben and I, right from the start, we said right. we don't want to prep questions because how many podcasts or YouTube videos, okay. interview style formats do you watch or listen to where everything's scripted and like you'll hear a great conversation and then it just gets cut because, oh, we need to move on to my next question. And we decided we, we very early on when we started having guests, Christina, you being the first guest that that's not the style that we wanted. We wanted to have an organic conversation. So I, I can't appreciate enough you recognizing yeah. that that's how the conversations go on this show. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, I don't know, Joe can push back and I'm still waiting to get feedback from, from Joe and the team on, on Q live. It's, you know, you just, you know, you're going to talk with somebody and you just see where the conversation goes and you know that you've got certain questions prepped in your back pocket should the conversation need a little bit of push and and to, a little bit of assistance but otherwise if you've got somebody who is comfortable talking and just seeing where things go then it's amazing what can happen and what i also feel is that this is an opportunity to have that safe space to talk about, you know, there's nothing that's off the table and it's right. okay to push back on, on each other because mm -hmm. how else can you learn and think about things from different perspectives and different viewpoints and different experiences. And I think that's, what's critical is, you can't have people who will always agree with you. You want people who are going to have those different perspectives mm -hmm. because how else can you drive the change of whatever needs to happen? Should there need to be a change? For sure. Now, Ben, I, I'll preface this with, we, we did not talk about this before starting this episode that this was going to be a part of it, but I, I want to know your thoughts. What's something that's resonated best with you in all these episodes you and I have done I, together? Well, I, I think it's, I mean, I think you and I have no problem talking. I mean, like, no, and I joke, like, like Kyle and I could fill an hour easy because it's, you know, but I think it's just our guests and just learning from them. And I joke and it is, it is true. Like I learn something from every guest and I do steal it or I do like, I'm like, I want to try that or I want to go share that with, with, with my teachers or different people. I think, I think it's the people that we've had on the show and it's across the spectrum of different people. I mean, we've had amazing administrators, superintendents, we've had, uh, teachers, we'd have TOSAs, we've had consultants, authors. So I think that's the piece. Um, that was, that was kind of like, uh, like, and again, Christina, you were the first one. It's like, we should just get people on to talk because I think that's the part that's the part I think is, is probably my favorite and drinking beer. I'll just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, the beer part's uh, kind of good. You and I agree on a lot of things and yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you on this one too. It's just, it's not necessarily been topics. No, it's, it's been people and it started with people that we knew. Christina, mm -hmm. John Van Dusen right. was, was also one of our first ones. And I still remember getting 
our first form submission from somebody that I had never heard of before. And it was Mike Washburn out of Ontario. And who's Mike Washburn? So I I go on and look at his profiles on Twitter and whatnot. And I'm like, wow, this, this is incredible. First of all, like what, what an incredible opportunity to talk to somebody that's so passionate about something that I don't know much about because we had a great conversation about esports with him on that episode. But that's when I really realized too, that we always talked about if one person listened to our episodes, that was cool, whatever. But then we had Mm -hmm. somebody from 2,500 miles away in another country that listened to us, took the time to submit the form and then join us for a conversation. And we have talked to people from all over the United States and Canada and we, we have a guest in the queue from Austria that we that we're going to have on eventually yeah. and like the reach is just it, it's so humbling and incredible right. like like what this podcast has become and the fun we've had and the conversation we had what we have learned and then the beers that we've drank so I mean for those listening we have a list of every beer we've ever had on the podcast in our show notes folder so if right. you're not aware of that go to our website beerupodcast.com and you can dive into the beers that we've had and then some of the conversations we've got to have in person. So Christina, we talked to you in person that first time, right. uh, Rob Williams, we met him at a brewery in Carson city, Nevada and right. had a conversation. And it's just, it, it's been incredible. And if this was our last episode, it, it would have been an amazing journey and whatever, right. but this is not the last. So it's well, do you think oh, sorry, Ben, I was going to, do you have sponsorship, but from, from beer companies, but, we can yeah. say, Ben, go for it. You were going to say something. Well, no, and I, well, I'm just real fast. I mean, Kyle and I, when we went into this, we were not, and I think there's some, there's a, there's a pressure in, in all podcasts to get how many subscribers and how many, Kyle and I have never, like, we were like, it's just going to be me and you. And if somebody listens to us, cool. If somebody doesn't listen to us, cool. It doesn't really matter. We're still going to talk and we're still going to drink beer. So, I mean, really, that's a, that's a selfish part of, of maybe why, in my opinion, I'm like super excited to have people like you guys on and like, I, I mean, clearly, you know, we follow, I follow you on social media. I know kind of like I see stuff you're presenting, but it's so much better to get to talk to people. Right. And that's for me back to that same point. But yes. So do we have beer sponsorships? No, at this time we do not, but we would, we would be open to them. Right, Kyle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think, okay, um, what are you drinking right now? Maybe for your hundredth uh, episode anniversary, yeah. maybe the two beers that you're drinking can sponsor this episode. Yeah. So, um, Good segue. Yeah, She's absolutely. So now, Ben, <laughs> um, you went with a local from Reno, yes. a place that I enjoy uh, the, from the time I lived there. And um, I'm a little jealous of this because this one does sound incredible. Yes. And I'm holding my can up. Brewer's Cabinet. So local brewer um, in Reno, one of my go-to favorite places. Food's incredible. Uh, brewery's just an awesome place. Um, they did their, this is a combination that's called brew Jones. It's a, they did it with a, another company called 10 design. Um, and it is a Kolsch style beer. It's called rad ale, which I just, I like the name. And so it was, you know, it's got some kind of cool, very American can art. Uh, and it's a Kolsch. It's pretty easy, easy drinking, especially at eight in the morning, I guess. So (laughs) 4.9%. I'm only having beer. one this morning. <laughs> lawnmower beer. Now, yeah, I don't know if we coined the term lawnmower beer, but it's definitely become part of the beer eating lexicon. Yes, it has. So yes, it is a lawnmower beer. So Kyle, you, my friend, we have we teased the can art earlier. Oh, which man. I love so, good can art. I'm sorry, I do. 
I'm so, gonna I'm gonna connect. If you love good can art, I really will connect you with my friend. Uh, yes. She's an amazing graphic designer, graphic artist, and she's getting contracts for can art. So we might need well, to have her on for our yes. Wednesday nights that we do on YouTube Live, and, uh, well, and have her here and talk to her about that. It's funny you said that because I have a one of my teachers who we go way back. We actually taught together at another school. She team taught with my wife. She's now working with me at my school. Her partner, he is an amazing graphic artist, and he does a bunch of work for Revision Brewing here in Reno. Okay. He he is an incredible graphic artist. We can have a graphic artist special. Yeah, I will totally send her send you yes. her, her information because yeah, Viva's amazing. Her awesome, yeah, great. Well, Kyle, you got to share your beer now. Yeah. So uh, now we mentioned the the can art. So if you're live on YouTube, you you can see this. Uh, the name of this beer is from a place out of Glendale, California, outside of L.A. And the name of the brewery is Paperback Brewing Company. And the name of this beer is Bunny with a Chainsaw. And if you look at the the can art, it's a pink background with this cute little bunny holding a chainsaw, looking all demonic <laughs> and whatnot. Like this is like horror movie worthy. It's awesome. You really um, are what, judging a book by its cover. I really am. Truly ah. am. So <laughs> that, that's very punny. I like that. Um, so this is a double dry hopped hazy IPA. So Ben and I are not shy with the fact that we love our IPAs. Uh, this one here, and I, I love, not only is the can art amazing, but there's a little slogan on there too. His cuteness will cut you to pieces. So again, yeah. that's the slogan for the bunny with the chainsaw horror movie. So that loving is that. So graphic. Yeah, just absolutely <laughs> incredible. So now this one is 8.2% ABV. So definitely kicked up in the ABV there. So, but it doesn't drink like it's that much. So I mean, it's definitely oh, a nice, say. smooth drinker. You know, it's it's got that juiciness that a good hazy IPA right. has. Um, and then for IBUs, there is nothing listed, but being it's double hopped, you can definitely sense the hops that are there. It's I'm gonna guess it's probably in the 40 to 60 range yeah. on it. So, but um, no, definitely a really good one. And uh, came across this one part of my spring break we spent um, in Hermosa Beach, uh, just south of Los Angeles. And the tr hotel we stayed at, there was a Trader Joe's in the parking lot, and. Trader Joe's always has a really good beer selection and you can mm -hmm. snap one off a four pack or six pack and just buy it individually at Trader Joe's, which is incredible. And my wife went in there and she found this one and then she found another one. The name of the brewery is escaping me right now, but it was called Amarilla Gorilla as in Amarilla hops. So that, so gr great little beers out of the Los Angeles area. And um, I definitely, Next time I go there, I'm going to try to find this uh, Bunny with a Chainsaw again because it's very good. And then, again, the, the can art is absolutely incredible. So so the, that's what we had because Ben and I – well, I chose to drink at 8 a.m. And then I convinced <sighs> Ben to do it. I that twisted influence. his arm. So, yeah, like, like this much. And then I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> so now, Christina, you asked the question what we were drinking. You're not drinking beer, but share with us either your go-to beer or what the yes. last one was that you had. Mm. Um, so actually what I had yesterday, it just your great go-to Scrimshaw Pilsner. Oh, North Coast Brewing. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. That's a, yeah, um, just a good Pilsner. Yep. But, you know, being in Mount Shasta right now, I really love the local micro brews, right? There's Mount Shasta Brew Co., Dunsmuir Brew Co., mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a, uh, you know, anyway, yeah. So I try to hit up the local brews when I'm when I'm out here, and you know, being from the Midwest, I do love a good cheese curd, a fried cheese curd. So there's a place called the Pipeline. And actually, Cooper's also, uh, they're in competition, I would say, with making some really darn good cheese curds when I have myself a pint. There we go. All right, yeah. Joe, what do you got? Same question. All right. So uh, a couple weekends ago, Kyle actually visited the Central Valley, and yes. we did something called an ale trail walk. Um, here in Clovis, uh, just by happenstance, uh, they they not this isn't by happenstance. They, they redid the railroad line and turned it into a community trail. And by happenstance, over the years, microbreweries have been popping up just within walking distance of the trail. Nice. And, and so we planned out a trail walk. And there's a, a, a brewery that just opened up called uh, Crow and Wolf, which is really mm. good. But then we walked to another one that I'd heard about called Machine Head. And this mm. brewery was amazing. They specialize in hazy IPAs and sours. And hazy IPAs are my favorite favorite and so the other day i went back and so i went to machine head brewery and um i asked the the head brewer i go what is your favorite hazy that you make he goes my favorite hazy is the high and dry so mm -hmm. a dry hopped hazy ipa kind of like what kyle was drinking uh the uh abv is 7.5 percent mm -hmm. on this guy and i i was drinking this yesterday while kyle and i were recording the uh sons of technology podcast and he's like dude that looks like orange juice like it is so, <laughs> it is so hazy and it is so citrusy. It was absolutely delicious. So if anybody is in the Fresno Clovis area, make sure you stop by Machine Head Brewery because nice. they are absolutely amazing. And for the record, one of the best quesadillas I've had in my life came from a <laughs> wow. food truck outside of Machine Head Brewery. Uh, they basically, it's, um, it was like pulled beef but they used the juices from the beef to put on the flat top to grill the quesadilla in along mm. and then put a little bit in the cheese and whatnot. And, and then they gave you a cup of the juices and the cosume to dip the quesadilla in. A little bit of you. Yeah, a little bit of you. It was basically a French dip quesadilla. It was <laughs> wow. one of the most incredible things I have ever eaten in my life. And I already told Joe and then Adam Juarez was there as well. When I get back up there, we are going to find that truck. I don't care where <laughs> they are at. Well, I am now following them on Instagram. They are Plan Planita Birria and right. they specialize in red tacos, right? So they they, they do grill the tortilla mm -hmm. on with the consomme, turns it red. And Kyle is not joking. It was one of the best quesadillas that i've ever had as well and that's saying something coming from the central valley california where there you, nice. you throw a stone and you can eat good mexican food yeah and i mean and adam water is is a connoisseur of anything mexican food so when he said it was one of the best he's ever had too i know that my judgment of it was not wrong so nice yeah so central valley meetup at some point for uh cosume yeah. tacos and uh, and beers at machine head and um house of pendragon was another great one we went to so right but, on 
Well, that being said, that kind of wraps things up. But before we let everybody go, uh, we are not doing a learn about this week because nope. we just we already learned so much as it was, as in like vodka and pie crust. I mean, that that's your learn about right there. So, but listeners, we would love for you to keep this conversation going by sharing your thoughts on what we talked about today. So you can do that by emailing us at info at beeredupodcast.com. Our Twitter handle, at BeerEDUPod. Tweet us. Use hashtag BeerEDUPod. Hit us up on Facebook, at BeerEDUPodcast, all one word. Facebook does not let you do a name for a page that, like, where we could separate the words, and that's annoying, but I digress. Follow us on Instagram, at BeerEDUPod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've been streaming this one live. We do it here. Mm -hmm. We do it on Facebook Live bit.ly slash beeredu youtube is where you can subscribe to our channel get notifications when we're going to go live follow both joe and christina on twitter we'll have those handles in the show notes send us voice messages on the anchor app leave us a review wherever you listen we would love to see your review we may even contact you send you a little bit of beeredu swag yep. if you happen to leave us a review and joe you've been on three times christina yep. you've been on now three times if somebody wants to be a guest like Joe and Christina Joe or Ben, what does one have to do? Yeah, so just go to the website, beeredupodcast.com. You click on that contact and subscription info link. You complete the guest form. You're in the queue, and, and we would love to have you on. We want to hear what you're passionate about. And for the next 100, yeah, be part sure. of that group. Absolutely. And we also are partnered with two yes. great organizations that help to promote the show and get – get those guests and their stories out there a little bit more. So Ben, who can the listeners connect with a little bit yeah. more? So check out School Rubric. They're featuring the Beer Edu podcast. So their mission is to help schools, educators, parents, and students help tell their stories to, uh, to stakeholders. And so those stakeholders can make the best choices about enrollment, staffing. So check them out at schoolrubric.com. You find great content from so many other amazing podcasters, really from around the world. And then Kyle, we're also part of another group. Yes, we are part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network. Yes. You can find and listen to other great educational podcasts like the Staff Room Podcast, Che and Pav, who were past guests, yep. uh, the STEM Everyday Podcast, Teachers on Fire, My EdTech Life, and many, many more. And you can learn more about Codebreaker and the Codebreaker Podcast Network at codebreakeredu.com. Yeah, so check both of those out for amazing content. So, Ben, like you said earlier, this is officially our longest episode ever. Yes. So if you are still listening, we thank you for <laughs> sticking around with us. And uh, Good job. we hope you enjoyed the fun banter at the beginning because we did have a lot of fun with that. Uh, Christina, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so oh, yes. much for coming thank back. You. And we are holding you that. So on 150, you're going to be back again. Yep. Sounds so, like a plan, if not and, earlier. And then yes. Joe... Uh, thank you for joining us. I, I loved having this conversation with you again today. And then our conversations we have on Sons of Technology, always a pleasure. I love you, my brother. And thank you again so much for joining us. Absolutely. Cheers. So, oh, Ben, that's 100. We're, yep, that was, that was it. Here's to 100 more. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Absolutely. And 101's coming up. That one is yep. already in the can. And we have yes. a great, well, I'm just going to plant the seed. We have a great guest named Andrew Morata that joined us on yes. that episode. And that one, it's an absolutely incredible one coming up. So 
listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast hit that subscribe button again we would love a review wherever you listen to them and until next time may the malts and the hops ride on Thank you.